Thank you for listening to audio content from South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. For more information or resources, visit us online at southcities.church. Let's pray. So Lord, what a what an amazing reality we've been celebrating tonight. And now we get to celebrate it more in your word. Lord, Zephaniah 3 is why you came. To create a new people, change their shame into praise. A new people who would rejoice in your love, a new people who you would rejoice in. So I pray that we would be filled with the joy of being loved by you. For those who don't yet know you, Lord, make it tonight. And for those of us that do, help us be filled up to overflowing again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So this Christmas Eve, we come to our fourth sermon in our Zephaniah series. Don't worry, I'm only up here for about 20 minutes, I promise. If you've got plans. If you're new with us tonight, you're catching us in the middle of a conversation, in the middle of a prophet who's talking to a people that have been running away from God. And so I'm gonna try to catch you up real quick on what's going on. Zephaniah is a prophet delivering a message to God's people who were living in the midst of a bunch of nations and cultures that were wicked in their ways and false in their worship. So they just were totally ignorant of God, totally worshiping other things, totally ignoring any of his commands. However, the people of God that are being written to here had themselves abandoned God in many ways. They had mixed their worship of God with other worship. They had used their religion for selfish gain and maybe power and political gain even in the, in the nation and, and then they had oppressed others rather than self-giving love and justice that reflected their God. They had forgotten They even had God's law. It had recently been found in the temple and they were living like they had forgotten they had God's law. The nations and God's people didn't think God saw or cared and so the reality is all of them, all of them were just living like God wasn't real, like he wasn't there, like he didn't see, like he didn't care. And Zephaniah is delivering a kind of bone-chilling message that God sees. He sees. He cares. He's holy. He's righteous. And because of their sin and because God sees and cares, Zephaniah has made it really clear that there's two clear choices, two clear paths. Path number one, humble yourselves, repent, and be saved from the ultimate wrath of God, or two, continue in your haughtiness, return to your sin, and put yourself on the altar of sacrifice for God's wrath. Those are the two choices, the only logical choices when we are sinners and God is who God is. And this isn't unlike the world we live in. God's people living in the midst of a place that acts like God isn't the creator who knows best what his creation should do to flourish. We act like God's commands are weighty and burdensome and annoying and frustrating. He doesn't really know what he's doing rather than like he's the creator who made us who might know what's good for us to flourish and have true life. And instead, the world around us acts in high-handed sin against him, often calling what is good evil and what is evil good. 
And the terrifying thing about this is that God is real. And though the world wants to act like he's not, a day is coming sooner than any of us think where it all comes crashing down. It all comes crashing down and God will be just. And deep down, the sad part about this is the world knows it doesn't feel the hope or joy or peace or love it longs for. It runs after momentary pleasure and it robs itself of all of it as, as it ignores the only place to actually find it. And so it runs after this for peace and runs after this for joy and this momentary thing and that momentary thing only to find none of it lasts. It all goes away, right? It all withers. It's all gone sooner than we wanted it to be. And in doing so, ignores the only place it could actually be found, in God. And we have to admit as the church that we often run back to those same things, right? This is not just an, an out there thing. We use our religion as a way to feel better about ourselves, sometimes take a, a moral high ground. We use to push other people down. We often play the game really well, forgetting it's not a game. It's not a game, this is real life. And the message in all this from Zephaniah to, to the people then and to the people now is God's real and he's coming back. He's real and he's coming back. And so where does the point of all of history lead us to? How do you repent or how do you ignore? Well, we've said at the end of every sermon that the, the substitute sacrifice the place of refuge where we can be hidden from the wrath of God, the ultimate place of safety and hope and joy and peace and love, all culminates in one person named Jesus Christ. So what all of this is pointing to, the little baby we're celebrating, it's all pointing to him. He came into our mess as a baby. He lived a perfect life, died the death we deserve to die in our place for sin, and then he rose again to conquer death for all who believe. All of Zephaniah, all of history, all of your lives, everything orients around that, whether we believe it or not. And so if you're here, if you're here and you haven't confessed your sins and trusted in Jesus to forgive your sins, I just say to you, honestly, you need to. You need to. You need to, he's, he's begging you to, come now, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. The things you're running after, like the things these people were running after, will fail you and ultimately leave you exhausted, weary, and worst of all, headed for eternal wrath. But in Jesus is the rest and the joy, and the hope, and the love you've been looking for that aren't based on any circumstances. You never lose them. No matter what phone call you get, no matter how your job is, no matter how your family is, no matter how much money you do or don't have, you never lose Jesus. He will save you from your sins, purify your heart more and more to praise him, and then he'll walk with you through this life, never leaving you or forsaking you until you're in his presence forever. So that's where we've been. That's where Zephaniah's taken us. Those are the choices. That's the reality of all of life. God is real. Wrath is coming for sin. Salvation is available fully, freely, and forever in Jesus. And these last few verses we'll cover tonight, after all of that, like there's been a lot of kind of doom and gloom. If you're here and you're like, wow, you guys have really had a fun time the last three weeks. These last few verses we'll cover tonight quickly are about the relationship between God and the people who repent. How does God 
relate to the people who repent, who find refuge and safety and joy and hope and peace in his name and not in themselves or their sin. We're gonna find out and I hope that you're just gonna go, I wanna be one of those people. I wanna be one of those who repent and have this relationship with the living God. So let's dive in here. The points will be fast and furious. Point number one, rejoicing in God. Verses 14 to 15. So in this book with lots of sin and lots of judgment, you might wonder, probably didn't, but you might, which verse has the most commands? Like which verse in Zephaniah do you think has just the the most, here's what you should do, people of God? Verse 14. Verse 14 is what are the commands? What is this verse full of commands, things to do? Sing, shout, (laughs) rejoice, exalt, and not just blandly or a little bit, but sing and shout loudly, right? That's especially for Minnesotans. Sing and shout loudly, right? Rejoice and exalt with all your heart. And why does he say all your heart? Because they've been mixed in their worship. And he's saying, you know, now that your heart is free, that you've humbled yourself, you've repented, rejoice with all that you are loudly to the Lord. No more divided hearts, no more running after other things. Just hearts fully and loudly rejoicing in God. Why? Why should they do that? Well, look at verse 15. What has God done to get this response from his people? Verse 15, a few different things. He has cleared away the judgments, number one. In other words, to translate that through the cross of Christ, if you trust in Jesus, you are free from all condemnation and guilt for sin. Fully, freely, forever. You can be free from all the condemnation, free from all the judgment, cast as far as the east is from the west. Number two, he has cleared away your enemies. Translate that through the cross. No one can separate you from the love of God. No person, no circumstance, and not even death. You are ultimately safe in the arms of God. He will clear away your enemies and get you all the way home. He will dwell with you. That's the point of the enemies being gone. You're gonna be his, he's gonna be with you. Nothing can separate you. And then number three, this is kind of the climax. The king, the king of kings, the almighty God, the almighty savior, he's in your midst. That's why you rejoice, because God's here. (laughs) That's why we rejoice tonight, because God's here. God's with his people. He's dwelling with his people. His holy, beautiful, stunning power and presence is with you so that it says you'll never need to fear evil again. Not the evil in your own heart, not the evil around you. This is a picture of this future promise with him forever that's becoming more and more true in the lives of believers now. But in this new place, with this new people, one day when we're in his presence, there is no sin. Why? Because God's there. (laughs) Because God's there. Sin can't be there with God, right? God's there. We have him and there's no sin. Not in us, not around us. He's already punished Jesus for our sin and now he simply exists with us. That's amazing, right? That's a reason to rejoice, to sing, to shout. Right, kids, I want you to try to imagine a world where you never get angry, where you never disobey or want to, 
where no one ever gets angry or fights with you or is annoyed with you or is frustrated with you. I want you to imagine that for a second because that's what God is promising for those who will love him and trust Jesus to forgive their sins. He's going to be with them forever. There's not going to be any sin, none. Adults, can you imagine that? Right, kids might be able to like for a second, right? But adults, can you imagine a place like that? No fighting, no sinning, no disease, no dysfunction, no ugly fights, no suffering, no guilt, never ending, perfect peace, your heart always satisfied and safe, your joy always full and lasting forever, all the time. That's what Jesus came to do, to purchase that for his people. So the commands are many, sing, shout, rejoice, exult. Jesus came as a baby to die on a cross to bring us into his love. And what can we do but respond with singing? Right, that, that's the point here. Point number two is even better. Rejoice is the first point. Rejoiced in by God is the second point. It gets so much better. Part of verses 16 to 18, repeat what we've already seen. They say, don't be afraid God will be with you. He says he'll clear your enemies so you won't be attacked. Perfect peace and hope forever. These same things repeated. And that's really, really good news. But there's better news. Some of you here today think that the salvation you have in Jesus is good, but you also kind of have this nagging feeling like God tolerates you. Right? Like he'd kind of like a do-over if he knew it was coming. Like if you knew how far along you'd be this far in your Christian walk, maybe, maybe he'd give you back. Or maybe he can't give you back because he's God and he can't do that because of Jesus, but he really is kind of frowning and frustrated with you all the time. Like he's okay that he saved you, but he's not thrilled. Right? Do you ever feel that way? Like God's kind of tolerating you. He's waiting and you're waiting for some future version of yourself that does longer devotionals, sins less, has it more together, and doesn't stumble around in your faith so much. Or maybe you're here and you've never trusted Jesus and what you hear and think about God is that he's some kind of like cosmic killjoy. Right, he, he's no fun. He's not really engaged with his people. Right, he, he just kind of sits around making people bad for themselves and always saying no. And everyone around him just says no and makes you feel bad about yourself. Maybe that's what you think about God. So we gotta say, what does the Bible say about God? What does God say about God? So what does this mighty savior, this mighty God do when we are in his presence? What is he doing tonight for his people as we gather? Look at the second half of verse 17. This is, this is crazy. This is what he does. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Not just some singing, loud singing. The kind of excited singing, like he's, he's all in singing. God does not merely tolerate his people. Isn't that good news? I don't know what you brought in here. God does not merely tolerate his people. He does not redeem with a cringed look on his face. He's all in. God is all in all the time for you if you trust in Jesus because you didn't earn your way in. You trusted Jesus and he paid for your sins. And now when God looks at you, he looks at you and he sees his son. He sees the righteousness of his son and he loves you like he loves his son. 
He rejoices over his people with gladness because he sees us covered by the sacrifice of Jesus. He commands us to rejoice in him while he's rejoicing over us with loud singing. I think of that every Sunday when we gather. I just think I look around and I see us singing and I think we're not singing as loud as Jesus. Right, Jesus is not Minnesotan in his singing, right? We are not singing as loud as him. He is all in rejoicing over his people. He's with us. Why is he rejoicing? He's rejoicing because we belong to him. He's rejoicing that we belong to him. He's rejoicing that we're in his family. He's like, look, can you believe these are my people? Like, here they are. Here are my people. We're going to be together forever. They've turned and repented and come to me. They've rejoiced in me, and I rejoice in saving them. I've saved them. I'm going to sustain them. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to walk through all the joys and sufferings with them. I'm going to pour out my spirit on them. I'm going to bring them to myself forever. I love them. I am for them. I will always work for their good. I will never leave them or forsake them. I love being with them. Do you feel like God feels that way about you? He does. I'm not saying it. The Bible's saying it. It's what God does for his people who have turned and repented and found refuge in Jesus. And in all of this explosion of love, his singing over us, our restless, loud, frustrated, exasperated, and weary hearts are quiet. quieted like it's okay my God loves me my God sings over me I don't have to be so restless and frantic and afraid and weary and all these things what about and what about and what about you hear him singing over you go okay and you just let his love quiet your heart God does not merely tolerate you if you belong to Jesus In fact, he could not love you more today than he does if you've trusted in Jesus. His heart could not be more for you than it is if you've trusted in Jesus. This is an invitation as you hear his loud singing to let your heart be quiet and to lay down your guilt and to lay down your hurt, to lay down your whole heart and come as you are right now and rest in the mighty Savior who rejoices over you. It's crazy that that's the reality tonight if you trust in Jesus. Verse 19, renowned for God. Point number three, this is really short. Verse 19 is this this beautiful picture. He's going to clear away our enemies. He's going to gather the lame and outcast. This kind of picture of him reversing the way that the world works. Like the lame and outcast who are forgotten and look weak. They just rejoice in him because they're weak and he's strong. And he, he gathers them in and reverses the curse. And then this is what verse 20 says. At that time, I will bring you in. At the time when I gather you together, for I will make you for a name. And I will make you for a praise among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. It's a summary statement. God gathers a people. God saves them by sacrifice. 
God hides them in his love. God rejoices over them with loud singing. He purifies them to have hearts that want to shout his praise. And he does it so that they are a people for a name and for a praise throughout the whole earth. It is so clear in the Hebrew here that this is not them getting praise, them getting a name. They are created for a praise and for a name. Those hidden in his name from his wrath make much of his name and his praise throughout all the earth. This is a global praise for a global God who's worthy of global glory as he saves a people from every tribe and tongue and people and language and nation. We get all the joy and all the hope and all the love and all the peace and God gets all the glory. We get all that, our praise goes up, And he gets the glory for sending his son, for saving us from our sins, for bringing us into his presence where we will forever rejoice in him. And I think he's going to forever rejoice over us. Isn't that amazing? He will be for us and we will be with him for all of eternity if we'll trust in Jesus. Will you pray with me? So Lord, now we're going to we're going to come and eat and drink with you be reminded of your presence with us right now, that you're rejoicing over us with loud singing right now. And Lord, I pray that in this moment, as you rejoice over us, that you would, by your spirit, quiet our hearts with your love and push out anxious, frustrated, angry, bitter, overwhelmed, harsh thoughts. Lord, and fill us with your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Lord, help us repent and lay down our burdens and lay down our sins at the foot of the cross and rejoice in you again as you rejoice over us. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't yet trust you, I pray that this would be the moment where they'd say, Jesus is what I've been looking for. He's the hope and peace and joy and love that I need. Lord, be with your people now. Rejoice over us with loud singing. Quiet us with your love. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to take communion together now. If you don't want to come forward to take it, uh, you're more than welcome to just raise your hand and we have ushers that will bring it to you. We always give three words anytime we take communion here at South City's Church. One is that if you're here and you're not yet trusting in Jesus, we would just love if you let this pass and instead talk to anyone around you. We've been praying that you would trust in Jesus and that this would be the day of salvation for you, but if not, let it pass and talk to anyone around you. Second, uh, if you're carrying sins, like the kind of sins that you know deep in your heart you want more than Jesus, we, we don't want you to eat and drink judgment on yourself, and so we can't pretend to fellowship, hang out with our sins while we fellowship with Jesus. And so if there's some sin that you're not yet willing to bring to Jesus, we'll just have you pass right now and would pray again that you would bring it to him and ask him for help to see him as better than whatever it is you're running after. And lastly, this is a a meal of unity. This is meant to show our unity as a church family. And so we will have differences over a lot of things in this life, but we are meant to show our unity in Jesus with this meal. And so if there's some bitterness or disunity in your heart that you are not yet willing to let go of, we just ask you to try to go and make it right, to try to reconcile before you take this meal. That's a a picture of our unity in Jesus. But if you're here and you're like the people in Zephaniah, maybe you've been caught in sin, 
maybe been wandering from God, but you want to repent. You want to humble yourself. You want help to walk with Jesus. You want to rejoice in him again and have him rejoice in you. This is a meal for sinners who need help, sinners who need sanctifying grace, uh, a meal with our king who conquers all and rejoices over us with loud singing. So why don't you bow your heads and I'll say the words of institution. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So talk to Jesus, lay your sins down, lay your cares down, and then come and eat and drink with him when you're ready.